doing out there tonight. I am Mike Aguilar-Loro. I am your host. For this is Sports Zone. Recording live via the I-95 Sports and Entertainment Radio Network and to be replayed on Blackjack TV, Carib Single TV on Wednesday. And we have a new wrinkle that is starting last week, actually. Uh, posted it last week. I've been meaning to do it for a while, but this is now officially a podcast that you can hear on various uh, podcasting outlets, including Stitcher, Anchor. We are now available on Google Podcasts, and there will be more to come in the future. So we have all that. And we got a great show for you tonight. We'll be joined by Dave Hastings back after a one-week absence. Uh, in a matter of moments here, we should have Eric Tressler on here tonight. And we got a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, we got baseball to talk about. Obviously, last week we spent a great deal of the program talking about the Mets' chances of making the playoffs. And I got to be honest, to revisit that conversation slightly, there were moments in this last week where in my head I was kind of thinking, you know something? It kills me to say it, but Eric might have been on something with that whole Mets. Maybe they were running a little too early. Don't know if they could sustain it. You saw that in moments this past week, whether it was Jeff McNeil getting hurt while our show was taping last week. He, of course, is on the 10-day DL. So he's eligible to come back on Saturday, but it'll be interesting to see if he does come back. According to the Mets, he, was, he tweaked his hamstring. He didn't think it was a serious injury. thought it might have only been a couple of days. They gave him 10 days off just to kind of give him a blow, which makes a lot of sense because this is, this is arguably your, one of your two best players on your team. Why would you risk throwing him back in too soon and causing serious injury? So there was that. Then it was J.D. Davis getting hurt on Friday. Thankfully, he looks like he is back and healthy. He, of course, had the big hit in Sunday's game, and he, he had a two-run home run tonight. Uh, the Mets are currently leading the Cleveland Indians by a score of 4-2. to two. And then you have what Mickey Calloway was doing last week when he took Stephen Matthews out of the game after 79 pitches, and the dude is fired 15 in a row, and then goes to Seth Lugo and probably blows the game and didn't wind up sweeping the Royals. So, you know, he started tonight's game. Two back in a wild card, Cleveland, Chicago, Atlanta. All to come in this week. This is the season on the line over the next nine days, in my opinion. But we'll get into that a little bit later. We welcome back after a one-week absence, Dave Hastings back to the program. Dave Hastings. Doing good, Mike. Doing good. How about yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. So I'm not going to stay on this too long with you, but obviously in your absence last week, in everything that has gone on with the New York Mets, me and Eric had a very spirited debate over the Mets' playoff chances. And I was wondering, have you been paying attention to anything going on with the Mets over the last month? Well, um, I definitely can say I've been paying attention to the upcoming schedule. And uh, I will agree with you, the next couple series really probably will determine whether or not they actually have a real 
like are going to be able to get that wild card spot or if mm -hmm. you know they uh got a little too hot too late and they got to move on yeah and we have him back on the show he is here eric Tressler, how are you my friend i'm better i just hope we're not still talking mess well no i mean we're not, we're not going to stay on it too long but i do no, want to say stay on it long at all i mean what are they still search? Three or four teams behind in the in the. But wait, wait until they're actually in the running. Wait until they actually but catch they, up to but, these teams. And but, then we start well, getting excited. If we're, if we're waiting for that, then we don't have to wait because they actually are in the running. Because they're no, they're in the running. No, 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 they, they, they are in the running. They are, they are in the running because there's two games out of the second wild card spot tied with two. Two other games teams. out. Talk to me when they're in. Talk to me when that's zero they, games out. That's what I'm they, saying. No, no, no. Two more okay, credits. So they're going to make the playoffs. No, no, so you backtracked on it. It's not waiting until they're in the running. They're in the running. No, we have to change the criteria. Criteria. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk said, about it. In it. We're going to talk about it. But you interrupted me, so let me say what I was going to say. Let's talk about the best yeah, team in baseball, the Yankees. We're not talking about the team that's playing about them. No, no, no. How about I finish my sentence? I'm going to finish my sentence. Thank you very much. There were times this week where I actually thought you might have been right when you said that the Mets may have shot their shot a little early. There were definitely moments this week when I thought you might be right. So see what happens when you let me finish the sentence. I actually give you somewhat of a compliment. I wanted to say that. But as we said, and then we will move on, the season is in the next nine days. Cleveland, Atlanta, Chicago. They do good in these nine games. Guess what? You don't get to say, let's talk about them when they're in the race. Because you, even you won't be able to deny it at that point. I so want to see what they do in September. This is all August, mid August talk. It means nothing. I've it actually, watched this team it, no, it does. with 17 games to play, lose a seven game lead. So I'm not buying the mess as a great uh, finisher to a season. They got to okay. prove it to me, and they haven't proven it yet. So until then, I just, until they're actually tied or, you know, up there, I, I just, Two games back is two games back, and they still have teams to hurdle. But it qualifies. It qualifies as being in a race, so you can deny that all you want, but it does. It does actually. Not qualify. the race that matters. It, it, it kind of is at this particular moment, though. It kind of is. And last thing, and then we're going to bring Dave back into it. The collapse of 2007, you saw coming back in June. The Phillies woke up in September. The Mets stayed asleep. 2008 doesn't qualify as a collapse because the minute Billy Wagner went down, that season was over. Anyway, Dave. No, actually, talk about the Yankees. Say something about the Yankees. Go right ahead. No, I just wonder why we spend so much time talking about a team that's not playing as well as a team that's crossed down. But, you know, because it's to the more best record in baseball, home field advantage, looking like they're poised to make another run, even though everybody out there doubts they're starting pitching. I don't well, know. They see, seem to be getting another run we um, game after game. Didn't they uh, yeah, did. take an injury to their bullpen, too, the Yankees? Did they? If they did, that's news to me. They did, it's news to me. I'm actually hearing they're getting people back soon, so I don't know. Maybe that changed, and I could be out of the know on that. Well, well I'll say this. Just heard them, so you never know. The, the Mets lost the bullpen guy today. Robert Gazelman is probably out for the season. I don't know. Oh, you guys did sign Trevor Rosenthal to a minor league deal, though, apparently. 
I don't know. If, I don't know if that. I mean, take that for what it's worth. He he hasn't been very good the last couple of years. So. No, I don't think it's very much. Like I said, I think we're going to be good. I think Severino's going to come back. He's going to fit nicely into some kind of bullpen role, be a big-time arm out of there. But Kansas, like, I don't know. I just think we're playing good baseball. They keep winning series. They split with the Indians this weekend. It'll be interesting to see what the Mets do with, with Cleveland. Cleveland is a tough team. And, they're, uh, they're beating yeah. their best pitcher right now, 4-2. to two. Yeah, no, I see it. I yeah. it. And hopefully the bullpen don't the game. I'll say that. So if the are we saying that we're most likely expecting a uh, Yankees Astros ALCS? Yes, I think that's the collision course everybody's waiting for mm-hmm. at this point. I mean, maybe the Indians can mess that up. They've been hot lately. Twins have been pretty solid all year. Um, other than that, yeah, it's, it's pretty much the Yankees and the Astros on a collision course. Uh, in the NL, I mean, really, it's the Dodgers kind of running away with the whole NL. So they're kind of the favorites out west. Um, yeah. Well, I'll say this. Uh, you know, I said last week I thought the Astros are favored. You pointed out that everybody kind of favors the Astros. I'll give you this, though. That home field advantage, the fact that you guys do have the best record in the American League, that's going to be critical because if you remember the 2017 season, back me up on this. I'm pretty sure the home team won every game in that series, right? Yeah, I believe so. So that is something right there. If you guys, if you guys can hold on and keep home field, or excuse me, and keep the, uh, the record advantage, you guys will at the very least be even coming into the series because I, I do consider what the Astros have at their rotation. I know you're not worried about your rotation. And truthfully, I think everybody's sleeping on Sabathia. I think Sabathia is going to be a lot better in a playoff atmosphere than everybody is really giving him credit for. That is an old dog right there who wants his last shot, at the, his last bite at the apple right there. I think in a playoff series, I think Sabathia is going to be a lot better than people think. I don't know about guys like Stephanie. He's not starting, though. He's going to have to come out of the pen if he's playing. I think he's going to get a start. I, th- I, uh, I disagree. You start your veterans in the playoffs, especially someone that's battle-tested at Sabathia, in my opinion. Pack and even Paxton have done nothing to prove that they deserve You're going to throw Tanaka, then you're going to no, throw Tanaka, and then maybe Paxton or... Um, Herman, depending on Herman, I mean, but Herman's been no, Herman, for all year. He gets to start. There's no doubt. He's earned the start. I definitely say so that. That's Tanaka, what I'm saying. So you're going you're gonna to start Tanaka in game one, and you're going to either pitch Paxton or, or Herman, or one, they're going to go vice versa in game three. And I'm telling you what they're going to do in game four. Remember, you heard it here. They're going with an open. And they're going to go with either Chad Green followed by – um, whoever, or maybe that's where Sebastian gets a technical start, but he'll never get enough innings to finish the game, and you're going to see Severino back him up after that. that that's well, what I'm predicting for game four of the playoffs. Here's my prediction. Sebastian gets that start. Everybody thinks he's going to get a quick cook. He's going to do really good. He's going to go six innings. Uh, I uh, I'm, I'm going to call that right now. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done. Uh, if you're right, I will give you all the credit in the world. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go the opposite way of they either use green or they use CC, and then they hey, back I it up with Severino, I, or they could even start Severino for two or three, 
and go to one of those guys after too. So. Well, I definitely think the opener is a viable option for them. Like what I could see them doing is maybe in the ALDS, if they got a 2-0 series lead and they, they think they can run away with it and they just want to rest everybody, I think you see the opener in like game three of the ALDS. But in the ALCS, it's still a viable option, but I think they'd rather go with the starter in that case. So. We'll see. Dave, I'm you telling you, to... they're, getting, they're getting very uh, very comfortable with the opener. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Dave, you got, you got anything you want to chime in here before we move on? I'm just going to shout out the fact that New Jersey just went up 2 nothing in the top of the six in the elimination game of the Little League World Series. So, uh, what town? I, I, so that's where, I, that's where I started to draw my focus. <laughs> hey, how about, hey, listen, how about that kid? What was it, the kid? It was in Tennessee. That threw, or the team from Tennessee that threw back-to-back no-hitters the other oh, day? Oh, yeah, I heard about like that. The, I think it was Tennessee. Is he yeah. the first or second time it's ever happened? I, yeah. I know nothing about this. But let me ask you yeah. something. Like, is it is it an all-star group from New Jersey, or is it like a specific team from a specific No, specific cat? from Elizabeth. They're from Elizabeth. Gotcha. Because every, okay. team, every team, every district has their own all-star team, and then – they go through districts and then regionals and then, you know, states and then, you know, super regionals and this and that. And, like, you have to play a whole lot to get to the level that these kids are at. So, yeah, no, this isn't just a super team from New Jersey. These are a bunch of Little League kids who played together and they're from Elizabeth. It's pretty cool. Yeah, a and bunch of years back. Remember, Dave, when Partridge East was, was in it? Of course I do. And really quick, can we also just shout out where this sports zone originally uh, started? was in Elizabeth. So we just want to really connect all, all the dots real quick. So Well, it's nice, it's nice that you throw that out. I'm going to say I said it to start off the show, but I will say this with you guys. I put it on last week. Last week was technically the first episode, but this is the first episode that we are taping that will be intentionally uploaded to podcasting platforms. We're on Anchor now. We are on Stitcher. We're on Google Podcasts. We got a couple more uh, up and along uh, on the way. So I just wanted to mention that we finally got some streaming platforms here. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Now, let me. Last thing about the Little League Baseball World Series. I'm correct in saying the last team from New Jersey to win was the Tom's River team in '96, right? I no, didn't the Partridge East team win it? No, they lost, I think they lost in the cha- uh, like the second to last. Yeah, game. they lost. Yeah, they 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 didn't win it. They were close. No, I think I think it was that Tom's River team was the last to win it. Yeah, I remember. I remember that because I was like thirteen when that happened, and that was. Uh, I think Eric, you might remember this. That was the team that was affected by one of the plane crashes, right? It was either the TWA Flight Eight Hundred or the Value Jet one. Something like that. Yeah. 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 I wanted to throw that in there. Um, I'll let I'll let um, Dave. You had to sit through the baseball thing. So how about you pick the next topic? Uh, I mean, look, we got preseason football kind of getting in the full swing. Basketball's been kind of low key. I mean, the Demarcus Cousins injury um, that happened. Uh, I think that happened after last week's show. So I don't know if you guys got a chance to talk yeah. about that, but. No, it happened on it happened on Friday, so we didn't get to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. Like I personally think that that's not. I don't think that's detrimental to the Lakers. I just think for the long term of his career, that that to me means it 
it could be it for DeMarcus Cousins as uh, as anything near the player we've ever thought him to be. And I just, I mean, that's always sad, but I think it's also kind of why you see the league going to a little bit more of a smaller style game of basketball is those big men can be dominant, but they get one bad injury and all of a sudden their career is nowhere near the same anymore. Yeah, I, I agree with the sentiment there. I was I was a little disappointed to hear that because I, li- I like Cousins. I thought he definitely, being one year full removed from that Achilles, I definitely thought he had a chance to kind of reestablish himself. But uh, what do you guys think about the news that the Lakers are working out a bunch of guys and they have received permission to talk to Dwight Howard? I don't know if anything's going to come of this, but do you guys – think there's any chance if it were to happen he'd be able to coexist with LeBron and Anthony Davis? Uh, as a role player, maybe. I personally, like, if like if I was a Lakers fan, I'd rather them go sign Mello than sign Dwight Howard and get Dwight Howard. I could see that. Eric, what do you say? Yeah, I don't see it as a, as a good move, Dwight Howard, back to the Lakers. He He's done that once before. It's, he's had his time in L.A., and I just don't think that's the team and that's the fifth for him. And I also think he's passed us, you know, the point of actually helping a team and being an integral part of a championship team. Uh, like Dave said, he could be a good role player, but outside of that, I mean, at this point in his career with his injury history, it's just it's a shame. It's a shame about the Marcus Cousins, too, because, like you said, you're never going to see him as the same player again. It's unfortunate. It's too. It's not just the injuries themselves. It's the, you know, pretty much having no time to come back. Like, he hasn't come back and had two or three good years, and then the knee injury happened. So, so I think it's just too much time removed from playing really high-level basketball for him to come back and be expected to play at that level again. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I just – I, do you think do you think Mello would be a better way for the Lakers to go, like at least fit wise? Yeah, well, because he at least spaces the floor. If you're see, the problem with Mello, and it's just an ego thing. He, he, he once he gets over the ego, he can still shoot the basketball. He's still a high volume scorer. He can still do it, and he can do it from a spot up shot. He, he he did it in the Olympics. He you know you see what he can do. Olympic Mello is a good Mello. If you get that Mello on your team, but he's another one that's now out of the league for a year. Hasn't really played meaningful basketball in years. Hasn't like had deep runs in the playoffs. You know, like I I just don't know what you're getting out of Mello at this point. Other than if you call him in and you say, listen, you want one last shot of glory, you suck it up, and you, you, you be Olympic mellow. You come off the bench mellow, and you spot up and shoot when we need you. You know, because LeBron and, and Anthony Davis could drive the basketball like none other. Both of them could take it to the hoop. And, and if you try to collapse the defense, you kick it out to mellow, leave him wide open, he can he can play. He, he, can, he can score. So, I mean, I think it's a better fit than Dwight Howard. I just don't know how likely it is. I think if it was likely to happen with LeBron and Melo joining, it probably would have happened at some point last year before the epic collapse. But they didn't really get it done then, and I don't know if they're going to now because I think Melo just still still thinks he, he, he's an elite-level player when at this point he's, he's a role player. I, I definitely agree with the sentiment there. To me, 
I think Melo, like you said, I think he can contribute if he got out of the idea that he's an elite player. But for what we have seen from him, I think the Lakers should just realize that they have a budding superstar in Kyle Kuzma. And rather than bringing in Melo, just give Kuzma a chance. You know what I mean? Because you've seen what he's been able to do the last couple of years when he didn't really have too many, you know, obviously they didn't have any superstar players around him the first year. And then LeBron got hurt last year and Kuzma still wound up having a good year. Put him at small forward. You know LeBron's going to wind up being your point guard anyway, even if you don't start the game out as the technical point guard. And you got two legitimate threats around him. There's your floor spacing right there. I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know how great he is with the three-pointer, but I think if he gets the looks, he can make the shots. So I, I think they have a third superstar in Kyle Kuzma. Let the kid ride, man. I, I, Dave, going back to your idea, I, I kind of like the idea of bringing in Noah, even though between him and JaVale McGee, I think you have a redundancy there between those two. But if they're only getting 15, 20 minutes a night, that might not be the worst thing in the world. You, you let them come in, they bring their toughness or whatever. You got Kuzma. You, you brought in some decent backcourt players this year, and then you still got Rondo for some reason. But, but that's beside the point. And, you know, I, I still think they could be, uh, be a threat, and I think Kuzma is going to wind up doing more damage if they take the cuffs off him this year than a lot of people think he would. I don't think there, I don't think there's anything wrong with giving Kuzma minutes, but if you're trying to fill your roster, and you're like I said, I mean, and you're just looking between Dwight Howard and Mello, then I just don't see how you would go Howard over Mello. That that's really, you know, I I think Kuzma deserves more time and has the potential to really become a pretty talented player, but you know, I I think Mello fits kind of the team they've put together. I guess is the best way for me to say it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to argue with the idea that Mellow's probably got more to offer than Howard. I, I think that makes all the sense in the world, definitely on that one. So I can give you that. I just quite – it goes back to what we were saying. I just question whether he would be okay with that role or does he still think he deserves to get a league minutes. That's the only thing. If he gets over that, I think that makes sense. Eric, final thoughts? I just don't – I don't think by signing now I'm with Dave takes away from what Kyle Kuzma can do this year. I mean, you need to fill out your roster, and if you're going to offer a mid-level exception, somebody you might as well offer it to a guy who has at one point played at a high level in this league. So, I, I don't know. I, I don't see the downfall in it because you wouldn't have Melo coming in and trying to take over the team either because – he has two people bigger than him in the sport on the team already in AD and LeBron, and he's not going to come in and try to muscle those guys around. That's why I just don't know if it's a dynamic that works, but I definitely don't think it hurts Kyle Kuzma in, in any way, whether they do it or don't. Hmm. All right, fair enough. Um, I want to go back to football for a second because there were a couple things that happened this week that I kind of wanted to talk about. I want you guys' opinion on the Ezekiel Elliott situation, or at least the newest development, where Jerry Jones made, in my opinion, I get that he was joking, but to me, to say Ziku, when um, the guy who gave, I think you were talking about him like a month ago. Actually, I don't remember his name, but the, the running back, or like I said, I'm pretty sure you were advocating for like a month ago, had a, a pretty big game, 
the last preseason game the Cowboys played. They asked Jones about Zeke, and he goes, Zeke who? To me, I feel like you're going to say Zeke shouldn't be so sensitive, and I get that. But it's like, no, if you're I mean, in the mix, well, You have no this. idea the level of aggravation this topic sets me off at. Well, let me, let me, let me, listen. Zero idea how much I'm just doing here. Well, well, I tell you what, if you're going to go off on what I got to say, that's fine. I'm used to it. Let me just, let me just say this first. You're in the middle of a negotiation with one of your star players who's already threatening to sit out. You could say he needs to get in line with who needs to get extensions first. That's fine. Why would you do anything to turn a business transaction into a personal thing? That's my whole thing. Even if you didn't intend it that way, you make a joke like that, you run the risk of him taking it personally like that, which he may no, or may not already have. So I mean, that's my whole thing. You run the risk of making it personal by doing You don't run that risk, so. You do. You the agent makes it personal because the agent knows it's about money. And that a story like this is good publicity for a client like his. Because you know, like, oh, look at your job, make the of the situation. It's a phony. What disrespect? It's not disrespect. It was a joke. Is he know it's been in contact with that team, that organization, with the coaches? Did you hear what Jason Garrett said on the mic, uh, whether it was today or, or yesterday? I no, mean, no. he clearly spelled it out that there is zero problem with Zeke. There's zero problem with Zeke on the team with the people in the locker room, with the coaching staff, or with management, and that something's going to get done. These are all non-stories. These are all things to get the agent to press the team for more money. It's uh, such a non-story. This whole Zeke thing is a non-story. Eventually, he'll be there. Eventually, he'll play. Eventually, everyone will get their money. It's, you know, if he wants to cry, sensitive Susie, then that's fine, but that's that's on Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is the owner. By the way, let me ask you guys a question. When was the last time the NFL leading rusher or, or one of the best running backs in the league won a Super Bowl? Some of the best running backs in the league never won Super Bowls. Adrian Peterson, with Damian Tomlinson, just in recent years. The last none of these guys won Super Bowl. Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis. What he had one great year. And that he was had about two, it. actually. No, two. two great years, and then he was done. Okay, so, I mean, so, my opinion, not an all-time back. No, no, what you I know mean, what I mean? Like, the I, last, I, you, the la- no, no, Eric, what I meant by that is Terrell Davis is the last uh, player to lead the league in rushing and also be on the Super Bowl-winning team. That's the yeah. last time it happened. There you go. That's but I'm just saying, was. that far ago, you're talking almost talking 20 years ago, over 20 years ago, so last time that happened. So they can make do without Zeke if they had to. If Zeke really wants to make an issue, really wants to get personal, it wasn't a personal shot at Zeke. It wasn't like, oh, we play better without Zeke here, blah, blah, blah. It was a joke, made him pass thing. And if he wants to, if his agent wants to take the story and run with it, then, I mean, great. He got into all the media platforms. He got all the people talking about it. But all this is talk, and it literally plays into zero factor whether or not he's coming back to the Cowboys and whether or not he's getting paid. We all know eventually he's going to get paid. But to be honest, he has zero cards to hold Zeke. This is it. They're grabbing at straws. Technically, the Cowboys have him control, under control for two more years, and then they can franchise him. So, I mean, you, he, he is under team control whether he wants to be or not. 
He doesn't dictate the situation the way the media would have you portray it. I can't take full credit from what I'm saying because somebody else I did learn listening to Stephen A. Smith show earlier. But I will say, even he agrees. This is the Cowboys don't hold any cards here. Well, wait a minute. First of all, first of all, anything Stephen A. Smith is biased because we all know he hates the Cowboys. So I I don't know why. I don't know why you're gonna. Anything that is bad no, for the Cowboys, Stephen A. Smith is going to hail as the greatest thing since sliced right bread. On this issue. He's 100% right. I'm going to give this to Dave to start off. Go ahead, Dave. I, I mean, look, when it's all said and done, like I've said before, I'm never going to hate on a player for trying to get his money. But going back to what Eric touched on, Zeke has no power. If Zeke holds out, the only power he gets is if Dallas starts losing without him. That's it. That is literally it. That's all he has. Because if he doesn't play, he hasn't accrued enough NFL years to be able to earn free agency yet, which literally means if he holds out, Dallas owns his rights for the rest of his career. He would never be able to play professional football again in the NFL if he wanted to take it that route. So his only leverage is literally Dallas losing without him. That's it. That's all he has. So if he's going to hold out going into the season, then he's then deep down inside for his financial benefit, he's hoping Dallas loses. And like Eric said, this is basically a story that the agent is really throwing out there and pushing and making a big deal out of. And the media is the media. And Dallas is one of the easiest for them to talk about and get ratings with, so on and so forth. But it was blatantly a joke. And look, do I think Jerry should have made the joke? No. But he made it. It's over. It's done. And if there's one thing that no player in the NFL will ever argue, Jerry Jones loves his players. So there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Zeke, in my mind, that Zeke is sitting there thinking, oh, Jerry don't like me anymore. Get the hell out of here. Jerry loves his players, and every player that's ever played for him knows that about him. So it's a stupid comment. He shouldn't have said it, but it was a joke. He backtracked it right away. He even was like, don't you put that up. And then the reporter even pointed out, he actually got you on camera, Jerry. Like, I, I mean, it was it was that damn simple. So it was a joke. Bad joke, not the best joke. And But if Zeke's sitting there being a pouty baby about it, then that's a bigger joke to me than what Jerry said. Well, it's hard to argue with the fact that Jerry Jones loves his players when you consider that this was a guy who was ready to sue the league a couple of years ago because of how they handled the Ezekiel Elliott suspension. So I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you that point, sir. But I want to say you guys are talking about the only leverage they have is if the Cowboys lose games. I feel the need to remind you that over the last five years, we've seen the Cowboys make the playoffs the year that DeMarco Murray went nuts. Then the next year he leaves. The Cowboys are trash. Yes, Romo was hurt for most of it, but the fact that they didn't have a running game didn't help anything either. Then the year that Zeke burst on the scene, they were a playoff team. The year that he was suspended, they missed the playoffs. Last year, he's back. Yes, Amari Cooper helps. But still, Zeke is back to being Zeke, and they make the playoffs. The Cowboys do better when they have a solid ground game. They use their ground game as much, if not more, than any other team in the NFL. So I do, while I'm not arguing that Zeke, technically does not have any leverage. 
If he starts missing games and one of these other guys can't step up and fill his shoes, I think the Cowboys give in. I just don't yeah. want to see it get to that point. Mike, you're basically saying the same thing me and Eric said. You're just saying it in a nicer way. Okay. I mean, if you really think about it, you're basically saying if somebody can't step in and fill his shoes, which most likely means Dallas is losing games, then they came. I mean, that's really what it is. It, it, hmm. it, it, it's if you really think about it, that's you're saying it just. I think it gets done before we even have to worry about any of that. Well, I hope you're I right. Think the on bigger that. Shade, I think the bigger shade thrown over the last couple of days has come from Baker Mayfield. And I don't know if you guys have seen this story. No, I was I was going to bring that up actually. You go right ahead and. And Baker up. Mayfield pretty much calling Daniel Jones trash. Just me, uh, you know, questioning the Giants' pick. Tell me that isn't a little fuel for the fire for the new rookie. I mean, listen, he, he we know that he's not coming out starting and whatever, but I gotta tell you, if there's a, that, that would put a chip on my shoulder. That would be like, oh, all right, you don't think I belong in the league, huh? You don't think I should have been drafted this high, huh? Like, I have, a, I have a problem with that because I feel like Daniel Jones has the exact opposite stigma of a guy from like Tom Brady. Tom Brady came in the league, drafted, like, next to last. Uh, nobody even thought of him as a pro quarterback. Came out of nowhere, ended up being great. Daniel Jones, nobody thinks going to be great. Got drafted really, really high, and now has super expectations, and nobody's expecting much of him. So they're expecting a flop. Most people out there are expecting a flop. So I just it, – it's kind of an opposite situation. But for me, I think Daniel Jones has to use that as a chip, has to use that as motivation. And uh, learn as much as he can and get ready. Eventually, they're going to they're gonna try to give him a go. I don't know if it's this year. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's this year if they're out of it at some point. I don't know. But we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. But I just thought the shade Baker Mayfield threw, I just thought it was unnecessary, too. Like, well, you really have to throw shade at a guy who, you know, isn't even starting to start the year. Like, he's not coming in with a lot of hype, Daniel Jones. So, the, the – to throw shade at him, I don't know. It kind of made me look at like uh, at Baker Mayfield a little differently. Like, really, that, that's the route you're taking. Well, I yeah, agree I got, with you. I, oh, go ahead, Dave. I was gonna say. I, I mean, to me, the NFL and the players, like the one thing you've always heard them say is it's a brotherhood, and like you know, like I can see him maybe talking smack like that if it's a quarterback inside his own division, a rivalry, something like that. But to out of nowhere reason to make that kind of a comment I think is just disrespectful and professionally and personally and like Daniel Jones definitely should have all the motivation in the world to try and prove he was worth that sixth overall pick but I just I think in general on on the Mayfield side don't don't count it out that a lot of players in the in the league heard that and they didn't hear it as you know well, yeah, Daniel Jones sucks. They they heard it more like, all right, you know, this guy's out for himself. This guy's not, you know, part of the quote unquote brotherhood that the NFL, you know, considers themselves. Well, I'm gonna say, I get the point you're making, but I personally think he did it to try and impress his new teammate Odell. And one way or another, dude's got to focus on his own game. He's, he's never going to play the Giants, at least not in the next couple of seasons. He well, plays. Excuse me? Oh, wait. And it, it, 
Well, Dave said they're playing the, the, the Browns actually this year. But not only that, but Odell was throwing his own shade this week, saying that the Giants traded him to Cleveland to die. When really, uh-huh. Cleveland should have been on the top of his list with young Baker Mayfield up and coming. Up and coming offense, you would figure that would be one of his destinations. But he literally said they sent him to Cleveland to die. Well, here's the thing: they probably did because sending him to Cleveland is generally considered death sentence every year, except this one. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some truth to that. Number one, Odell needs to get over the Giants and move on with his own career. Uh, okay, they may be playing this year, which I admit I did not know. But Baker still needs to concentrate on his own team and his own division, worry about the Giants later. Don't throw stones because the fact is, Baker had a nice rookie season, but at the end of the day, he hasn't proven anything yet. So worry about your own career. Eric, I agree with you. It was totally unnecessary for him to do that. And here's the thing. Daniel Jones does not look like a terrible quarterback during the preseason so far. I know he had some fumbles or something the other day. In terms of accuracy, dude's been pretty good from everything I've heard. So, I don't think you're going to get much playing time until later in the season. And like you said, it's only if the Giants are bad. But I don't think Daniel Jones is going to be the bust everybody thinks he's going to be. What do you guys think? I think time will tell. I think that's really what it is. I just, I'm wondering, when you said a minute ago, you're wondering when Odell's going to stop worrying about the Giants and start worrying about more about his career and where he's at now. The problem is, is there's no media in Cleveland. Nobody's listening to him in Cleveland. Yeah, it's so much smaller. There's millions and millions less people. The papers are much smaller. He's not getting the headlines he used to get here. So the only way he could grab the New York papers and grab the headlines is to say something about the Giants. He's a media-hungry guy. He is a me guy, a brand guy, and he is not getting the attention that he got when he was here in New York and Cleveland. The only way he gets that attention is when he brings the Giants' name up. Outside of that, you don't hear anything about Odell. You don't hear anything about his workout. You don't hear anything at all coming out of Browns, except for when the Browns are talking about the Giants. No, that's very true so far. But I guarantee you if they start winning and actually make a legitimate playoff run, maybe even playoffs, the media will come because you look at the media that was around when LeBron was there, and I'm not comparing this Browns team to LeBron's Cavaliers by any stretch, but I'm just saying the media shows up when the team is worth it. They have to make it worth it. So we got about five minutes left here. I want to one, – one other thing real quickly here. You guys saw a Williamson went down for the season the other day in the latest Jets preseason game, right? What did you guys think of Adam Gay saying that he personally apologized to Williamson for not pulling him sooner? Because I got to be honest, it's a preseason game. You know guys could get hurt in the preseason. You know guys could get hurt in the regular season. I don't really think Adam Gay did anything wrong by playing him in, what was it, the second quarter or something? I mean, come on. What, what exactly is the limit? For someone like Williamson, they're like, okay, you have to come out now. What, what is that? What, what did he do wrong exactly? Dave? I don't think Gase did anything wrong. He played his guys. I'm sorry. Like, if he didn't get injured in the preseason he, in game week two, he probably would have got injured in week three, week one, week four. Who the hell knows? But an injury's they're 
just there and they're going to happen and who they happen to and when they happen, you just have no freaking clue. So, you know, I mean, it's a bad break. I think uh, Gase on the, you know, view-wise from his team, it shows that he cares about his players or at least gives across that, you know, thought. And it's one of those things that you just – you can't do anything about. It, it kind of just is what it is. Like, if it was a Cowboys young rookie, yeah, I'd probably be a little upset. But you want your rookies to get used to the, the competition of the NFL level so they're more prepared to play and perform in the regular season. So it's a double-edged sword, and, you know, you're just playing on the edge every time you play these preseason games. Right on. Right on. Eric, what do you think? I agree with Dave. I mean, you can't you, – you're, you get paid to play a game, you, but included in that is preseason games. You get paid for those too. You get paid for the whole year. It's a, it's what you get paid to do. So don't feel bad about playing a guy in preseason. If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. Like you know, but you got to get him in there. You got to get the reps. You got to get the work in. And, and I'm sorry if you're gonna if you're gonna have to go out and apologize after these preseason games every time one of your snowflakes gets hurt. Then I'm sorry. We're gonna you're gonna have to stop preseason games. Or, or have it just a practice squad only so we can cut it down to 53 and all the starters sit. If, if everybody's going to be a crybaby about it. And, and, you know, I mean, it's just you get paid to play a game. I'm sorry. I don't feel bad. Like, you know the risks when you get involved. You know everything when you get involved. You've known it from a young age. I don't want to hear about a preseason game in the NFL that costs you the rest of the season. It happens. It could happen in high school. It could happen in college. It could happen anywhere where you've played preseason and exhibition games before. So I'm sorry. I don't think Gates had to apologize. I think it's I think it's an absolute sign of weakness for that NFL teams even have to come out and apologize for something like this. It's it's just I don't understand it. You 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 sign up to play a violent sport. If you mm-hmm. don't want to play a violent sport, pick up some golf clubs and hit some balls around on a weekend. That's fair. Do something else with your time. You that know is. what you're getting paid to do. I agree. I, I totally agree with that something. All right. So we got about a minute and a half here. We're going to wrap it up. Thank both you guys for being here. Always appreciate having some fun with you. Wait, wait, Mike, Mike, real quick. Mike, real quick. Eric, any, uh, like, thoughts pop out on to you for the AP uh, preseason poll week one Saturday? Like, anything you got real quick before we wrap it? Very cool. Oh, that's right. That's coming this weekend. I forgot. NCAA football. I've been trying to tell Mike, start watching. You got Miami uh, playing Florida. Florida's ranked number eight. Be interested to see what what they do. That is this Saturday. You got Alabama starting the Saturday after that. Uh, a bunch of games next week. It is the kickoff this weekend, though, with Florida and Miami. I'm going to take Florida over Miami. Uh, who you guys got? Uh, Florida or Miami? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with Miami on that one, too. All right, we got less than 30 seconds left, so we're going to say goodnight. Thank you both for being here. Dave Hastings, Eric Tressler. I am Mike Aguilar. Mets are beating the Indians 8-2 right now, so we're off to a good start. Thank you, everybody. Yankees on at 10. That's that's fantastic. Let's go. Yes. All right. Thank you all for listening. Thank you. Thank you, Ab Stitcher. Stay sweaty. Thank you, Anchor. Rate us, like us, subscribe. We'll see you all next week.